Welcome Pathfinders to the Find the Path Podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Episode 160. Mm -hmm. The random many people that are in the engine room. It's invisible. Something's invisible because... Many invisibles in oh, the yeah, engine room. Things. There are multiples. Them. Yep, all of these invisible creatures played by LeVar Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Manny's a national treasure. He is a national treasure for sure. It's too true. When last we had left, our heroes, the doorkeepers, had continued their exploration of the Pyramid of the Five-Pointed Sun, having battled against the mummified Gorgon, Kor Antuk the Rubble Maker. Mm -hmm. The party successfully managed to defeat the creature uh, without anyone being petrified, which was a little disappointing. For you. Not for lack of trying. I mean, yeah, not for lack of trying. And don't forget the most important part of that battle. Narmer killed it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Citra stabbing it and then falling unconscious because of its uh, bladed defense. <laughs> yeah, that was rad. Which was pretty cool. It would have been more rad if I'd stabbed it and it died and then I passed out. <laughs> well, next time. <laughs> yes. You enter this room, there are two of them. Uh, roll initiative. They're both invisible also. <laughs> the party then explored further, entering into a... Uh, a chamber containing the funerary barge, the Apasu, of the Sekpatra family, wherein you had uh, explored that and found a dune boat, a cool folding bo cool. boat that actually works on sand, which is just. And Narmer got to do do his Mission Impossible like <laughs> eh, sure eh, 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 all the way in there and get it. <laughs> where he learned that song, we don't know. <laughs> That's where the song came from. Yes. Little did yes, we exactly. know. In, yes, in this continuity of the, uh, it's it's actually just a planar constant. It exists on all planes, like the Jeopardy song. Yes. The party then continued their exploration after finding this, making their way even deeper, taking the last of the three potential passages that could be created by the fangs or by the stone fangs in the serpent's maw that would take them to various locations inside of this place unless there's a secret fifth way to go who knows i know you do i do know this map is huge it's a big map it takes you all over the place we, we get to the end of this like way and there's just another snake head and another set of teeth <sighs> we, we have on. a whole slave trench to go explore after this <laughs> you'd be amazed how many maps they squeezed into this book <laughs> however you had heard a constant almost not so much heard as felt in your teeth this thrumming the wub wub we're at the warp core in any star trek ship <laughs> warp core wub wub <laughs> Somewhere just out of audible range, but still within vibration range of a massive subwoofer. It's all base. It's all base. <laughs> you had decided to follow this passage, turning and making your way into a large room. Let me go ahead and uh, recap this room a little bit. Entering into a chamber where every available space on the walls of this octagonal domed chamber is decorated with complex hieroglyphs, many of which shimmer and glow and flash with blue light and sparks of electricity. The center of the room, in the center of the room stands a 10 foot tall scale model of a pyramid. It's southward face, the face side facing you emblazoned with the image of a five pointed sun. Lightning crackles from the surrounding walls and domes, forming into a solid beam that shoots from the apex of the pyramid to the apex of the dome overhead. Mm. 
I believe uh, I described it as every single strand of Sudi's fur stands on end, as does all of the rest of your hair just kind of float up as you enter into this room from the sheer static electricity of this chamber. Th throw your brain back to how it felt crawling through those plastic tunnels at McDonald's. <laughs> I was thinking Discovery Zone. Did anybody ever go to those when you were younger? It was basically yeah. just no. the giant, like, warehouse-sized, like, playgrounds, basically. No Discovery Zone, no leaps no. and bounds. I said yes. Okay. No, I on account of yes. I didn't grow up in Texas. I didn't think it was just a Texas Which thing. is why I brought up the McDonald's play tunnels, because everyone universal. knows Because that's universal. That's universal. Everyone knows what balloons feel like when you rub them yeah. on Yeah. It's true. <laughs> However, as you had taken in this chamber, lit by the crackling energy, these flashing interspersed lights, throwing everything into extraordinarily stark black and white contrast, Hollis had noted one, two, three, four... Five invisible beings turn to face you as you enter into this room. The creatures turn to look at you before turning away and ignoring the lot of you entirely. Huh. Each of these beings Ooh. are somewhat familiar to Hollis as you had encountered invisible stalkers previously. Oh! 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 The five figures seem to be in the process of almost redirecting the electrical currents in this room, as if keeping them from straying too far from the walls as they gently float and wash their hands over the surrounding hieroglyphs, causing the electricity to redirect and flow through the metal of the hieroglyphs up towards the dome overhead and then down into the pyramid again. What's, what's the half for? Well, there are some invisible stalkers here, but they seem to be redirecting the electricity to keep it from, you know, running amok. But they don't seem hostile. Like, well, they're no. keeping the ship running? The pyramid well, yeah. ship running? <laughs> yeah. They, they don't seem to care what we're doing at all. Okay. So maybe this is not the room to investigate further. In case I don't we think I speak anything that could speak. You speak Arin. I think they speak yeah. Arin. Wait, you had a spell to be able to talk to them because that's how we talked to them the first time, right? Yeah, but I don't have like tongues prepared today. Well, Although not hostile, perhaps we just leave them be. Well, that's what I think. Also, if they are doing something to keep the pyramid flying, then we probably don't want to interfere. Uh, I, Hollis will just be like in ancient Osiriani. Uh, hey, any of y'all uh, have a second? To have a conversation, quick chat. The closest turns, looking over towards you as you address, I suppose, it directly. Yeah, sure. It looks you over. Its eyes look towards Sudi. Oh, that Hakatep thing. It looks back to you. We are not permitted to speak with the slaves. Ah, rude. Sudi, will you talk to this one? He thinks I'm a slave, which is ridiculous. Do you see what I look like? But second of all... <laughs> You're wearing that fancy hat, so. Okay, where is it? And just, and she kind of motions the general direction. Well, that's helpful. I'm assuming we heard the voice. Olive could hear this whispery voice in ancient Osiriani. Uncomfortably close, probably for Citra's sake. <laughs> As again, you think it's no more than maybe a dozen feet away from you. Bowser's. Sudi will turn, like, kind of like put his back to them. 
write real quick what we actually want to know because I don't have a clue what to ask them. How do you control this thing? And will they land, please? Not in the city. All right. So he turns back to the uh, the general <laughs> area of this invisible thing. I like subtly shift your shoulders so you're facing the right way. <laughs> Sudi puts on like this most like as imperious of uh, like guys as he can. Oh jeez. Super serious face. What is your purpose here? You feel this wispy wash of air past you, and you have the distinct impression that something has approached closer to you. We are the guardians of the aromantic focus. You are here merely to guard the focus? The individual dispersion of energy could over time cause this sanctuary this there's a long pause as Sudi can't see but it looks over towards one of the other ones who kind of whispers a word as if again ancient Osiriani is not their first language Mm. yes this tomb minor variations in the air could cause a cascading of energy eventually damaging the structure if it were not maintained. Left unmaintained, the magic here could falter and fail over the course of a few millennia. So you merely maintain the equipment. You do not control where the tomb flies. We have not been granted such authority. Mm. A second one chimes in. Only the general is permitted to direct the pyramid. A third voice Sudi probably becoming more uncomfortable with these multiple invisible voices. Oh yeah, there's five of them. Only those appointed by the Sky Pharaoh. Very well. I will speak with the general then. Um, are you not appointed by the Sky Pharaoh, Sudi? <clears throat> she tugs he on your... looks at Hollis like, I don't know. Your headdress, I don't know. Hi, hello. My name is Masika and I'm descended from Chisisek. Can, can I control the pyramid? The architect. Narmer, show him your stone. Hey, I'm Narmer. <laughs> Narmer just around here showing people Here's my stone. stone. I'm going to stay outside of the room for the element that I have a vulnerability to. But here it is. <laughs> Only those appointed by the Sky Pharaoh have permission to use the aromantic infadublum. Rude. If you do not interfere, you are welcome to stay and observe. <laughs> the first one chimes back in. However... We cannot guarantee your safety. I think perhaps we just leave them to work and we go seek an audience with the general. Uh, studying the room would take 2d6 minutes. Yeah, eh, let's go to the general. We, we, we don't, yeah, we don't really, we're not that. I think, I think we're interested in keeping it running and only that, so this is fine. We want to study, but I want to study after my uh, mirror image is worn off. Yep, uh, so Sudi will precede everyone else out in as regal a fashion as he can kind of maintain, and then we close the door. <laughs> Very well. All right. Okay, so first off, Chisisek was a genius and was thinking really long-term. I mean, like, really long-term. That's crazy. Secondly, we've already <laughs> freed invisible stalkers before. I feel like we need to do it again. Yeah, let's not... We have to be on the ground before we free them. Although they did say it would take a long time. Anyway, let's, let's deal with the things that want to murder us first. And it's also whether or not they want to be freed. It's one thing to be left alone in a library. They might actually want to be here, so we need to make sure we know that before we go freeing anybody. I mean, I'm just saying if I was put there for a very long time and I was with other people, I would run out of things to talk about. I mean, that's just kind of a limited perspective, though. 
How so? I mean, they could have lived for like a hundred thousand years before this. So like taking out six thousand years could be just like, oh, okay, I've got to work the weekend. <laughs> I, I mean, he's kind of got a point. They're immortal. It's true. I guess it's it really depends. about if they got to choose to be here or not. Yes. But also, we got two doors to worry about that might have stuff that wants to kill us first. Agreed. So, do we want the one opposite of this uh, magic room, or do we want to continue down the hallway? I mean, she's probably behind the double doors. Isn't there, like, a set beast on those doors, too? So, yeah. we uh, To the right, we have the Scrivener's Wall, and then ahead is the probably where the general is. I mean, well, we can stick our head in the room with the Scrivener's Wall, but it's probably just the names of everybody who worked on the pyramid. Yeah, sure. But we should be quick. Might be might be something useful in there. Who knows? Alright, we. I guess we'll open up the Scrivener's uh, door and see what monstrosities await. Opening this door. This door opens up into a long chamber. Maybe 15 feet in width, probably the better part of 50 feet in overall length. Hieroglyphs cover the surrounding walls, further extolling the virtues of Hakatep and his general, Anant, Istakemhabet. There are also numerous statements on here, like lists of names and hieroglyphs of various individuals. Although whom exactly these are, you can't entirely be positive. Many of them, however, are given with a symbol, uh, or a set of symbols that vaguely translates to Voices of the Sun. Hmm. Oh, okay. Must be her warrior types. At the far end of this hall, you can see that there's a large, large set of doors on the left-hand side, leading, you guess, even deeper. Hmm. These doors so, from one side to the other are the better part of about 12 feet across. Oh, maybe so she's those, that way. It could be, well, it could also be another entrance to the exact same chamber. Yeah. If it's a big chamber beyond. There's like a fancy doors. And then the not so fancy doors. Are we going through the we're going through the fancy doors? Let's go through the big, big double doors. The big that's, the big twelve foot doors. Big big right. double doors. <laughs> Video games have taught me anything. The bigger go for the, the doors. doors. <laughs> you know, the bigger the Secrets box. in the small <laughs> doors. Main plot in the big doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Making your way down. Reaching these doors. Sudi glancing over towards Citra, Citra giving him the nod. Sudi pushing open the doors with some force. These are heavy stone doors. The doors open, revealing beyond this a long hallway, 20 feet wide, over 60 feet in length, stretching far away into the darkness on the far end of this chamber. Vertical columns of hieroglyphs line a portion of the wall off towards your right-hand side in this long hall. However, vast portions of this wall are completely blank. Hmm. As you look through the room, you can see these hieroglyphs, these marks on the wall that glow with a soft, lambent blue flame. Otherwise... what Are, the, are they names? Uh, What's on the walls? Uh, approaching close enough to look at them. I assume you're looking at the blue glowing hieroglyphs? Well, Hollis is also going to detect magic on them. Detecting magic? The entire wall off towards your right-hand side radiates strong magic. Hmm. Uh, you may make a spellcraft if you so wish. I will. Mm, not my best roll, but uh, I rolled a 7 for a 30. You also may make a null draconic. Mm, I roll a 9 for a 32. 
You cannot identify this. What? You can tell that an extraordinarily powerful spellcaster created this. Something on par with the spellcaster that created that trap at the entrance to this dungeon. All right, some spellcaster made this, but I can't quite figure out what it is. So uh, It is divination it, magic. It is. Oh, mm. it's divination, which should mean physically fine, but I don't I know. Be if careful. If it is meant to see who's about to walk in, like gives them information before you enter, like a herald. Maybe. So he just shrugs because he has no idea. Or it tells you which of these people are still around. What did the glyphs say? Or the hieroglyphs say? Approaching this, looking it over, it seems like it's odd and it throws you as you look this over. As the first hieroglyphs state, my aunt and general Istakimhabet, rise, rise in service to your pharaoh. I have returned and Osirian shall be ours. There's a break here at which point it follows, I am pleased to hear you have taken to the sky. Make your way to our southern lands, where the asp and crook meet. It's a messaging system. There yes. you will find the city of Wati. Demand that the interlopers, the doorkeepers of the Duat, be offered to you. You will find and name them Sudi Kontar, Hollis Starkweather, Masika of the Beckon, Citra of the line of Nahamra. Deliver them to me. There's another break here, followed by a third segment. Yes, once you have secured them, secure for me my call. Bring it to me so that my soul may be reunited and I may return to life to begin my second reign over Osirian. With the power of this mask, I should be able to restore you and all the other dead generals. Osirian shall be known and feared again. There is another break, then continues. Preparations have been made, and the other 15 generals have risen. Uh-oh. Taken to the skies. When they are ready, they will be sent to the other major cities of Osirian, and the lands now known as Thuvia, Katapesh, Geb, Nex. We will reclaim all the lands that were once Osirian. Uh-oh. And all will be brought back under our reign. Hollis is like, I need to send a message to my folks. Lastly, <laughs> lastly, there is a simple statement stating, to be clear, whomever amongst the 16 of you are responsible for returning to me my call shall be made supreme commander of the armies of Osirian. So it's some sort of sending spell, but with way more word count and, you know, it's on a wall. They're going to mess with Geb? Like, they sent an undead general to float over Geb. Well, I don't think they've done it yet. Mm? They're also unaware of the passage of time and what all may have changed. No, in the he's last aware because he, uh, he had Zarephath's memories. Plus, he named all the places. Yeah, that didn't exist before. Oh, that's true. He said when they are ready, so maybe they haven't left yet. I still think I'm going to send a message, but I'll do that later because I don't have it prepared. All right. These gaps here, you think that maybe she writes on one side and then it... I'm sure she talks to the wall and then it just writes her words on a giant wall on his side. 
Does it? Because I'd like to send him a message. Let's let's not. Let's wait to send them the message saying <laughs> we're coming for you until after we. No, actually we send have a message that says we don't know call. how this works. No worries. I, I I think we you should look at not. it. See if you can figure it out. You see if you can figure I out. I love the works. idea that like we're si- we're sitting in this hallway and it's actually just transcribing <laughs> everything we're saying. And Hakatep is just like, what in the heck is going on here? <laughs> I'd like to send him some messages. I think it'd be real I, fun. I, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He could come here. He teleports here and starts <laughs> fighting with us. Isn't that? Aren't we trying to find him? I would I would like his pyramid to be grounded before we find him. <laughs> What if he can, like, turn off the pyramid from wherever he is? And he's like, oh, they're in that pyramid, and just, like, turns off a switch, and then we just... I mean, Hollis's spellcraft is ridiculous compared to Masika's. There's I rolled no a seven, way. though. I mean, I got a good 16. Whoa! I rolled an right? 11. <laughs> I rolled an 11 and didn't even make what you got, got it getting a seven. Ouch. <laughs> Hollis is very so, I take notes on this It's intelligence-based, and Masika's... Wisdom caster. Hey, there's a 20 on every Citra die. is a baby wizard right now. She is just learning the basics. If I rolled a perfect 20, I'd only get like seven more than you got on a, on a seven. Let me put that it that way. <laughs> Any hoozles. All right. Uh, there's a door. So we have a door on our left here. There's a door off towards your left-hand side. There's also another door off or another set of doors just as large as the doors that you went through. On the far end of this chamber. Yeah, let's not leave a door behind us. Sudi will stack up at the little door. I wonder if the little door goes into like an antechamber like we saw before. Maybe. You know. Well, there's another little door back there that we left behind us. There's no way to know until we actually open it up. Does this door have like a label on it? Uh, This one does not. Hopefully it's a coat closet. So what happens when all these walls get filled up? Do, Do they erase themselves? Maybe yeah. you can, like, take down the wall and then, like, shake it really hard. And it <laughs> just etch a sketch that thing. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of magic I'd make. Mm. Gotta shake free the magnets. It seems like the kind of thing Chishashek would make. All right, so I guess we'll open this door, little the little small door that may or may not go to a coat closet. Opening this door, again, Sudi, glancing back towards, uh, towards Citra till Citra gives him the go-ahead. This door opens into a massive chamber. Oh. From one side to the other, you'd say this chamber is probably about 50 feet across, probably close to about 70 or 80 feet long. Hmm. Off towards your right-hand side, you can see a sarcophagus of white marble Hmm. sitting alone in the middle of this immense chamber. The coffin's lid hovers in the air a few feet above the open sarcophagus. On either side of this are fountains lit by softly glowing radiance, which bubble and churn, sending rippling reflections up along the alabaster tiled walls of this room, giving the entirety of this chamber this distinct, almost the sensation of being underwater. The air of this room seems to almost thrum with that same energy, as if somehow this is a focal point or somehow the acoustics in this room amplify that energy. Three figures occupy this room. Uh Uh-oh. Two, you immediately recognize their black wrappings, their lamellar armor, their bandaged wings (sighs) Mm. as the harpy warriors that you fought before. Oh, okay. The other, however, is a woman tall and regal, 
despite her mummified state. Her hair is this black, almost so black as to be purple, that falls about her. You're going to guess a wig shaved possibly from her own head upon death? She wears no funerary mask, but instead seems to have bedecked herself in the fine cloth and this beautiful armor, what appears to be some sort of steel lamellar plate. She carries a traditional Osirian style shield. So one of those shields that kind of looks like a doorway where it's flat on the bottom and kind of curves up and then has a, mm -hmm. you know, a dome top to it bearing a hieroglyph depicting a pyramid and then what maybe it's difficult to tell some sort of twin serpents and a scarab head and carrying a finely made kopesh the woman carries this presence of just command is the only word that makes sense for it and stands tall behind her sarcophagus she watches as you enter General Istakim Habet, I assume? Yes, you must be the doorkeepers. I applaud your promptness. <laughs> I am Istakim Habet, General of the Royal Armies of Sothis, Stormbringer. I like that. Guardian of the Western Pass, General of the Third, Seventh, and Ninth Armies. So, I mean. We're not going to surrender the mask, and we really don't want Hoktep to come back and go to war with every other nation on our border. I, I, yeah. Is there? And I'd like to resolve this peacefully, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. We do want to reunite him. We just mostly want to do that so he can have his just rewards in the afterlife and whatnot. You rebel against the hands of fate. Well, fate doesn't work anymore. It's a whole thing. Fate is broken. Perhaps that's the reason then my nephew from what I can understand was denied his eternal rest yeah we're gonna try to fix that and yet while Nethys extended his hand of destruction and broke his soul with his other hand he gives opportunity and life yeah that's true ergo this becomes an opportunity that we are here to remedy you would rather live in an Osirian, weakened, pitied by its neighbors, in fear for its existence. The world has changed. It is not the same Osirian that you were here for. You will forgive me, but the world has not changed for the better. Not yet. I have seen what the remnants of Hakatep's soul have done to his own country, let alone to what he would consider his enemies. And it is not good. Yes, what little we have gathered, it seems that those in possession of the fragments of his spirit have been cumbersome in their attempts to rejoin. And yet you have the opportunity to rectify that. No more harm. My nephew, whole once again, given back the time that was stolen from him. But he had his time. It is not his time. We're happy to put him back together, but only if he wants to let the course of life go by, let him go back to the afterlife, or get his afterlife, in the first case. An argument could have been made for when I was petrified, that I had my time, that it was not right to restore me. The same argument could be made if one of you were killed and returned via magic. 
That, okay, being petrified is, is different than, you know, your soul getting ripped apart and turned into artifacts that are causing mass destruction across the country. I am not a wizard or a mage. My understanding, however, is you're making an argument that one type of magic is different from another. No, I'm not talking about magic at all. I'm talking about the fact that this guy's dead should be dead. Let's go ahead and use these artifacts, put them together, and uh, give him that reward, is what I'm saying. I don't want to live in an endless turmoil of war and destruction because one guy's mad that he got split apart a million years ago. I feel for him, but I don't feel for him hard enough to give up that. My nephew does not seek vengeance. No, he just wants to wreak war on everyone. He wants to cause civil war here, turmoil and unrest that will cause people in Osiria to suffer. Then he wants to go on campaign overseas to destroy the kingdoms those people have made. We saw the messages on the wall saying he wants to reclaim all of these countries that are now independent. They, they are their own countries. You say independent. I say stolen. It's a different world. That's what happens. But I'm not going to help him do it. I understand. I don't think you do. I really, really don't. My ancestor is responsible for all of this. I understand that. And I am here to make things right. But again, I have seen what the remnants of Hakatep can do. You can say that it was the people who had those pieces, but they were influenced by those things. What happened to Hakatep anyway? Why was he like split up in the... Well, what information did he have? Was it just these pyramids? Beyond the Shori Empire, my nephew was the only one who was able to determine how aromatic magic could work and was the first to discover a means by which to undo it, to bridge the gap between the material plane and the four other prime elemental planes of existence to create, I believe he referred to it as a conjuncture. Hmm. Mm. Specifically, I don't understand it. I am a swordswoman. I prefer a simpler approach to things. She spends her kopesh absentmindedly. What I see of this world and it is different than what you see, is that I am in a world unbalanced from Ma'at. Chaos reigns. Order has faltered. And you stand here as servants of Apep. Yes, but you're part of the chaos. You coming here in these pyramids and the return and the cults, you are part of the chaos. You are the Ma'at. And Hakatep's willing of Ma'at. to destroy an entire city just to get at a few people. And to dethrone an existing pharaoh. Osirian already has a pharaoh. An improper line of pharaoh. Have you looked into it? Like, have you done the research? Perhaps he is a descendant. I understand that my pharaoh has a great deal more information than I. I trust him as I know him. But the problem is, is that you don't really know him right now because he is not himself. He is still broken. You are correct. So how can you trust what he says right now? How can it be his true intentions? And there is a simple solution. If we were to rejoin him then, and he said, no, all of this is not right and I want my just rewards, would you allow that? Would you go and to the just reward? I serve at the will of my pharaoh. If he were to ask me to destroy myself, I would do so. Because he is the living embodiment of order. The only thing that separates our world from the black maelstrom of destruction and chaos 
the things that exist beyond the realms of our knowledge. The fact of the matter is, none of these matters. I serve Phrasma, and Phrasma has one tenant above all, death to undeath. I'm not a scholar, but does not Phrasma believe in the proper order of souls? Would she not wish the spirit to be restored? Oh, we want to restore him, to put him back in his just reward. He was dead before his soul was split, meaning the proper place his soul should be is together, but dead in the afterlife. Exactly. He was dead before this happened. His time had passed. We know the proper ritual to give him the afterlife he deserves. The one he deserved thousands of years ago. Whether Hakatep likes it or not, he died. And then this horrible thing happened to his soul. So his soul needs to be made one again so he can return to his peaceful afterlife, not return to life to start a war and rule over Osirian. Do you know how Hakatep died? My nephew fell victim to poison Hmm. of a sort. Hmm? Like he was bit by a snake? He was betrayed, and the one who betrayed him struck him with a blade. A blade that struck him with the same foulness creeping darkness that would have claimed his father. Hmm. Was it his Mm. brother? Or his uncle? The betrayer has no name. She looks to Sudi. I can tell that you are a soldier. You carry yourself with the bearing of a warrior. Perhaps your fate, Ma'at, what have you, is to be victorious here. But Ma'at has led us together. We may battle here, if you so wish. Or we may fight as champions. Oh, it's time for a 1v1. No. I don't think that's a good idea. And what are the terms of this fight? I would select a champion would take the role myself. You would do the same. Whomever wins will get their wish. If you should be victorious, my pyramid shall leave. She glances to her two servants before looking back towards you. Never to darken the size of the city again. If I were to win, I would take my nephew's soul, and rejoin him. No. The tenants that I ascribe to do not allow for the leaving of the undead. Only the extermination. And also to use every tool in my arsenal to do that. And my quiver is full. Sudi just looks at everybody and then grows inside. Nice, Rod, so big. <laughs> also, you were trained by Inquisitors, baby. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I am basically like one step away from being an Inquisitor. You've got to be kidding me if I'm going to do something fair. <laughs> Very well, servants of the Devourer of the Dawn. I follow Osiris. <laughs> That very Irish there for a second. <laughs> I follow Osiris. <laughs> I've always done the R's. I follow Osiris. And, and see, we're we're under the opposite impression. Be like, no, no, no. You're the one causing chaos. You got these cults following you. You, you like raising us on the door. You just call it causing it's chaos. Liter- it's literally whose law do you ascribe to? Is the, is the conflict? Yeah. yeah, it's just two arguments over you know who has the proper claim here. Yeah, and she can say, oh, well, it's just different magic. But it's like, he did. He did. Like, yeah. sorry. Like, his opportunity to get brought back was he a way did. long time ago. Maybe he shouldn't have died like a chomp to a blade, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not that she says that, but. Somebody <laughs> she apparently poisoned him. Well, Dude, maybe I think it was his brother. Him. Like, I, he hey, must have done something shady. Women are more likely to use poison than men. That it's is true. true. Oh, it is maybe true. it was his wife. Creepy set wife. Yeah, a little set wife. 
Oh my god. Citra probably looks and is like, did his wife poison him? I will need initiative from the party. Uh, we'll oh, ask man. the next general. We'll ask the next general. It's fine. <laughs> Please, we don't want to fight all the generals. <laughs> I have seven mirror images, so there's eight Holluses for the next, like, I don't know, minute probably that's left. <sighs> yeah, arguing with these folks doesn't really... You're never going to get anywhere. Citra's always going to go back to it's the pieces of Hakatep causing the chaos. Like, And no. it would be different if this hack happened when Hakatep was alive and he was robbed of, you know, his life. If they life. split his soul while he was alive, sure. Yes. Yeah. But he died. Someone assassinated him, apparently, and he was dead. His time Ooh. was over. Yeah, and, and I don't yeah. believe they would have done resurrection I'm, for I'm really the death of a thinking, pharaoh. I'm really though, like... The wife, the wife doing it? Oh, that wife was the daughter of Such the set a uncle, right? Yeah. And we never got her name, did we? And the set uncle yeah, we have had the her family. Name yeah. yeah, we got her name. The set oh. uncle was married to the lady who liked the Sekpatras who didn't like this lady. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Anyway. Yeah. Though if Hakatep had had any kids, they would have been messed up because Thankfully his wife... Didn't was the child of a pair of siblings and then well, married her cousin. Well, that's <laughs> what know? happens. I mean, we've seen, I've seen King Tut. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of other stuff. health yeah, problems. All kinds of issues. Heck, which, which one is it? The um, the Habsburg line? Oh, one of those was... guys. They, they were like, I can't believe he's still alive. Mm. Yeah, genetic diversity is important, y'all. Yeah, it really is. That's why mutts are better than purebred dogs. Yep. Always go for the mutt. Plus, they're awesome. I rolled poorly on my initiative, y'all. That's, That's okay. Good. I, rolled I, rolled real, well. I rolled. I rolled. I rolled real pretty well. good. I'm so okay, excited. Well, I'm happy you rolled well. I have buff things, so I'm gonna cast them on my turn. I have undead murder spells. All right. Hall Starkweather. Oh, Hall's rolled a four for an eleven. I was very surprised by Sp- by Sudi's speech. I was too busy dancing to be in a cri- <laughs> uh, arrow in the quiver. <laughs> Sudi Kantar. Studio rolls a perfect 20 for a oh, 23. Yes. Oh, yeah, boy. Time to get. Masika of the Beckon. Masika rolls a 15 for an 18. Sutra Nahamra. Sutra rolled an 11 for a 17. I'll need Masika to roll off. Oh. Uh, Masika rolls a 2 for a 5. Mm. Ouch. Combat begins. Studio Kantar, your first initiative. Swift action, get big. Very well. And then I am going to move the 45, was it 45 feet? Actually now 40 feet uh, to the closest of the harpy guards and I'm gonna punch them. Very well. You go rushing up towards the harpy. Uh, so I roll a five for a 26 against their flat-footed. A 26 will strike your target's flat-footed AC as you rush to the hey. floor, leap to the attack, swing out a tree-like foot Dang, like uh, that is 20 points of damage. Nice. I forget, do these harpies have damage reduction? Yep. Uh, they're okay. weak to acid if they're like the other things we've found. Yeah. So these will be weak to fire is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I mean, if they are, that's good for me, but it's probably I guess, acid. can I make a perception check to see if they've got a hieroglyph on them? Uh, you may. All right. Another five, which gets me a 28. Yep, there is a rune on there. You may make a linguistics check. Okay. I've got points in that. Uh, That is a 19, which gets me a 24. 24? Yeah, unfortunately with the wrappings and all the rest of that, you can't determine what the rune is, but you do see that there's a rune on the left shoulder of this thing. 
There's a rune on the left shoulder. Sudi calls back. Probably acid. I don't know what it says because my reading not so goo. Well, they're moving around a lot. Yeah, but acid would be a safe bet. Go, go, gadget and armor. <laughs> that is the plan. From Sudi Kantar we go to Istakim Habet. She will rush to the four, provoke an attack opportunity as she closes on Sudi. Cool. Cooper. Dang it. I uh, only rolled a three for a 24. 24? Nope. She slides underneath this as yep. you lash out with a foot, bringing her shield up, knocking your foot wide, sliding forward and lashing out with her kopesh. 33. Uh, 33 will strike me. Her blade whips around, striking you for a painful 22 points of damage as the Ow. blade rips into your side hitting you with unholy strength for something as small as she is comparatively to you now. I was going to say, Sudi just like, his blood immediately clots and just looks down at her and he's like, ow, man, you hit hard. <laughs> and then turns to face her with his giant fist like he's going to smash her. Sudi smash. Sudi smash. It would have been a story for the ages if we did this one-on-one. -on -one. Oh yeah, it would have been a real story because she'd out probably outdamage me, honestly, <laughs> at that, with that amount of hits. With Jeez. your dice luck? And with my dice luck, she would have killed me. Yeah. I know, somebody with good dice luck would probably have taken her up and been like, sure, but like, I know better. <laughs> the fate is not kind to Sudi. That's what Sudi knows. Yes. <laughs> well, Sudi also was primarily built to be a tank and to take yeah. abuse, but if you, hit, if you do enough damage, you will cut through him quickly. Yeah. We're a team. Yep. You should flee now from this place back into the desert and never return. Sudi, I needed you to make a will save. Oh, great. Um, okay, so Sudi rolls a 9 for a 22. Um, it, are these fear effects, uh, enchantment, any of the usual things, death effects, negative levels, mind affecting? Uh, mind affecting. Okay, cool. So I get a plus 2 on this, uh, which gives me a 24. No, so you're good. Cool. So, uh, both of the harpies. Mm, yep, both of the harpies burst in a song. Yeah, of course they do. Uh, okay. I will need a will save from everyone within 300 feet of them. Two will saves, right? Two will saves. Okay. And because of the effect of this, the DC goes up because of the amazing acoustics of this place. Oh, jeez. Wonderful. That's no fear. I got a 13, and, or sorry, I rolled a 13 on the die. I got a 23 and then a 22, because I rolled a 12 and a 13. Uh, Sudi gets a 29 and a 27. Uh, Masika gets a 30 and a 25. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> it's always oh, Citra. Citra. It's not an aura despair, is it? <laughs> nope, it's a captivating song. Um, so I rolled an 18 on my first one, which got me a 29. Okay. But I only rolled a 10 on the second one for a 21. 21. 21 will succeed. Oh my god. Yay! <sighs> Go team! Go team us! We're so inspired by Sudi's bravery. Yep. That could have been real bad, yo. Uh, yeah, I was already <laughs> like, maybe I'll put a rod of immovableness I have a remove fear <laughs> that I was saving for if she failed to, because then it makes her immune to that fear effect. Oh, yeah. Nice. Or suppresses the fear effect. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. So the first harpy closes on Sudi. Sure. Uh, just a five-foot step. The other one moves. Uh oh it's going wide. Uh, fly Takes to the wing, flies forward, and closes on the back row. All right. There's eight of me. Well, there's seven of me, eight total. Masika of the Beckham. 
I'll need you to make a will save. Will save. Because yep. you're within range of their uh, their RS. Hey, you should just cast that remove fear. <laughs> yeah, but it only gives you a bonus. The thing is, uh, if I cast it after she's affected, it she it suppresses yeah. it. So fair. Um, I roll a ten for a twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty-seven will succeed. Oh, Masika, you save. All right. Uh, uh, Masika, no, this is their no, mummies and their aura to spare. Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, Masika casts sunbeam. <laughs> cool. Um, I get four rays. Um, You're a little ray I, of sunshine. Well, yeah, they last for a round per level or till all the rays are expended. So, um, and I'm gonna fire my first ray at Iskahim. Iskahim. We'll just call her Ista. Ista. It's Auntie Ista. So I get a 30, then minus four because she's in melee for a 26 to hit a ranged touch AC. A 26 will strike your target. All right. So she takes. She does get a reflex save for half. Um, and she'll take, she's undead, so she'll take 13d6 points of damage. Nice. She gets a Dang. 24 on her reflex save. That is it on the nose. Oh. No, you got more Still, 13d6 is nothing to, to snuff at. So that's 52 divided by two is a number. 26. It's 26. 26? Nice. Total damage? Yes. And you've got three more of those you can do? Yep. Seventh cool. level, baby. That's cool. Mm, a solid hit as this burns into her. She stumbles with the blast. Looks back up towards Masika. Masika waves. <laughs> <laughs> Narmer, spit. <laughs> Pachu. Narmer rolls a 12, which is a 24 to hit that harpy that's incoming. Pew pew. Uh, 24 will strike his target. Uh, he rolls a 3, so he does 3 points of acid damage unless acid happens to be what it's uh, weak to. Uh, it seems to bubble slightly more, as Aha. in it may be one extra point of damage. Hey. We found the theme for this uh, this dungeon crawl, y'all. That's acid? the end of Masika's turn. <laughs> acid. Very well. From Masika, we go to Citra Nahamra. If you could get within 30 feet of Sudi, that would be real great. <laughs> so you can firebrand us. <laughs> like, you need me to be close to you and within 30 feet? Because my plan was to vanish. No, I can move. I just need you to be within 30 feet of Sudi. Okay. Um, Citra's going to vanish. Invisible for targeting, which you're invisible. Okay. Your vanish won't make you I, untargetable. I believe is a. Oh, gosh. Until she stabs. Standard action. And then uh, I'm going to start. Moving forward. Oh, you're going to be invisible. Never mind. I can't cast a spell on you. No, you have uh, a see invisibility. Oh, I can see you. Just kidding. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's fine because you can still be seen. There's a whole theme for the cliffhanger at the end of last episode. That's right. (laughs) I'll see the thing. Well, I'm trying to move. I do apologize. Uh, I do need Citra to make a will save at the beginning of her turn. It is an aura of despair. It is against an aura of despair. If that helps. I do get a bonus on that, thankfully. Um... But I rolled pretty decent, so hey. I probably don't need it. Yep, as you watch this terrifying, mummified harpy, uh, again, identical to the ones that had terrified you and caused you to five, fall 500 feet before closing a, on you. I rolled a 15 for a 28. 28 will succeed, as this time you go, you know, okay, I'm not going to fall. I'm going to oh. be okay. I don't want to get paralyzed and fall into this pool of water. That would be just as bad. I'm actually trying to think if I even need to go invisible, because I can get in the flank. Oh, well, whatever you want to do. 
I'm gonna scrap the invisibility and I'm gonna double move. Uh, you would need to, you would either provoke an attack of opportunity or make an acrobatics check. I shall make an acrobatics check. You'll need to take the minus five for moving at your full speed. I have the... That's the, oh, that's the reason why it's a minus five and not a minus ten. Okay. Yes. I'm still gonna acrobatics. Alright. It's against her combat maneuver defense, which is impressive. Um, I rolled a 13 for a 40. A 40 Jesus. will succeed, though, as you spring forward, <laughs> leap diving over, like, over the sarcophagus, under the sarcophagus lid, which is floating over it as you tumble through the center of the room before springing up behind Istakimhabet. She watches as you close, seeming to take in the situation. <laughs> Nahamana started it, Nahamana's gonna end it. <laughs> oh! She speaks a word in a language that I know that none of you understand. As she does so, the pools of water on either side of the room froth and explode upwards, forming almost fully into massive 17-foot-tall bodies of water. They're elementals. If it's Aquan, I speak Aquan. Oh, okay. Yes, she says (laughs) rise. I was about to say, I'm... Elementals, really? I'm a water genie thing, you know? That's right, you could talk to the... Water catfish uh... person thing? Ah, <laughs> uh, nerds. That's... I'm in a bad spot now. Oh, <laughs> hey, you're in a plane now. Good They're job. not from yeah. this plane. It's true. You can dismiss them. <laughs> I encourage you to dismiss the one that's flanking me right now. Mm, first things first. The first one takes a five-foot slosh over uh, and swings out at Citra. Ooh, they got a big reach. Oh, oh, they're yes. 15 feet across. Yeah, they're huge. Meh. 28. No. You hop out of the way as this water barrel-sized fist slams down, splashing you as you stumble free. The other one takes a step over. Yeah. And attacks Sudi. Yeah. A perfect 20 will automatically hit. Threat. Well, nuts. Oh, that might not. Uh, 27 will not confirm. No, it won't. Strike Sudi for 15 points of damage as the fist slams home, battering okay. the catfolk. Who I can only imagine hisses and spits as he is drenched from head to toe, stumbling back he's away. Doing, he's doing that thing when cats get wet where they start, like, they start trying to lick the water off of them. Ah. <laughs> from the water elementals. Well, let's start weather. All right, rich step environment. one. Step one step is... Step one will save. Oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. Uh, 26. All right. Step two, I guess. There's a one on some of these dice. Firebrand. Uh, I think I can target one creature for four levels. So I can't target Masika, but I will target Sudi, Citra, and myself. Actually, I can't even target myself. I can target Sudi and Citra. So you get Firebrand. Sweet. Because you're too far apart. Yeah. So you're within range of me casting it, but I'm too far from you to... It's weird. But anyway, so y'all have that, so you can do fire damage now. I will then do something spicy. Uh, I run. Um, whoa, whoa. What are you what? doing? I run in such a way that I essentially go... Oh, wait, no. I meant to be there. You will provoke. You know this, Well, right? there's there's seven of me. It's fine. Oh, I have a plan. Right. So the Hollis runs forward, provoking attack run. for opportunity. Narmer, we've been abandoned. Come yep. stand next to Sudi, so if they want to hit you, Sudi can whack them. We should challenge Dish Mummy to a one-on-one fight. Narmer <laughs> well, versus idea. Harpy. <laughs> Sorry, 25 to hit Hollis. Uh, yes, go ahead and let me see if my mirror image thingy occurs. I rolled a two, which is not me, so they pop an image. 
Very well. So Hollis goes rushing forward. Sudikontar, I would need you to make three will saves. Yep, here we go. Okay, that is a 17, which is a 32, and 11, which is a 26. Another 11, that's a 26. All right. I assume I'm good. You seem to be good. Spiff. All right, so I will do a uh, flurry of blows to Istakim Habet after I switch into pummeling style so that my pummeling bully, bully combat feat will come into play. When using pummeling style to make an entire full attack or flurry of blows against single target, if you hit with any of your attacks, you can attempt a reposition or trip combat maneuver as a free action. Okay. I will be attempting to trip her and then beat her to death. So here we go. Excellent. Excited. I'm super excited. Here we go. All right. In the context of the game, like we're not literally, you know, excited about putting someone on the ground and beating them to death. Ooh. Yeah, it's just an evil undead mummy, mummy lady. Okay, yeah. first one's a perfect 20. Nice. Perfect 20 will automatically hit. Threat, roll to confirm. That is a 10 for a 31 to confirm. Ooh. 31 will confirm your critical hit. Hey, Ooh, there we go. All right, so first off, double damage. That is 36 points of regular damage. Three points of fire. All right. And then I uh, will do a trip combat maneuver as a free action. Okay, that is a 16, which is a... 35 to beat her combat maneuver defense and trip her. That will actually succeed. Oh, yes! Yes! Sudi! Oh, wow. oh, man. Oh, man, I'm never going to get that lucky again. Um, all right, so she tripped. Yep, so that will knock her prone. Oh, opportunist, yes. Yay! That wasn't a great roll, though. But she is prone now, I guess. Yeah, she's prone now. And she's being flanked, so it's a... 25 to hit her? Roll a six. Will not strike a target. Yeah. Oh, that's just sad. Yeah, I'll roll a six. Okay, so my second attack is a 15, which is a 34. A 34 will strike your prone target. That is 17 points of damage. All right. We've got... All right, next one is... You begin to rain blows down on top of her. Is it 27? A 27 will strike her since she is prone. Hey. Wow. Ooh, almost max damage. That is uh, 21 points of damage. And fire. All right. And, wait for it, two points of fire. Okay. All right, last hit's probably going to miss. I rolled a six for a 17, so that's not going to hit her. A 17 will not strike your target. But hey, I knocked her prone. That's cool. Pretty good. <laughs> and you beat her a bunch. I'm super excited that, that actually worked. I was like, I'm going to take this feat and it's never going to work once for me. That brings us to Istakim Habet. She will make a single attack at Sudi. Cool. Will not power attack on this one since she is prone, which more or less means that she's back to... Regular, yeah. Breaking even. Is a perfect 20 to hit threat. Oh, seriously? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair play. So, well, 35 to confirm first off. Yes, that'll confirm. Ouch. Now she has a 30% mischance. 83. Ah, she gets through. So strikes you for... A bunch of damage. A lot less damage now. She's not power attacking, so that's a plus. 23 points of damage. And... Ooh. Does a 38 beat your combat maneuver defense? Did she just trip you back? Wow. 
He's big. Yeah, because you can, you can. When I'm big, it's a 43. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, because a Kopesh is a trip weapon. Yeah. All right. Oh, I also get a plus four bonus against trip attacks. So there's that. Uh, it's not a trip. Oh, was she trying to bull rush me? Uh, it's a shield bash with automatic bull rush every time she hits. Oh, okay. Well, then no. All right. Uh, she will stand up from prone, provoking two attacks of opportunity. Yay. Get him. Nope. Uh, that uh. is an 11 on the dice for a 32. Roll the one. Ouch. Yep. Uh, Ouch. The 32 will hit, the one will not. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that. <laughs> no surprise. It's doing pretty good at my will saves. Apparently I hit her for another 17 went. points of damage and five points of fire. All right. She will then take a five foot step. Uh, yeah, she'll take a five foot step to the side. I would like to step up and strike. Step up and strike? Yes, I can move up to 10 feet. Oh, you have the following step? Yep. All right. I got nice. it all. Get in there. Uh-huh. So step up and strike. It's like it's finally all coming together. <laughs> I know. Look at this. All right. There we go. Finally rolled something decent. Uh, so that is a 16, which gets me a 33 plus 2 for the flank, which is a 35. A 35 will strike your target. Do you need the electricity separate or no? No. So Citra slides to the side, lashes out with her Kopesh. All right, so because I rolled like crap on my sneak attack, uh, I only did 29 points of damage. Oh, that right. still good still damage. A solid hit. It's still a solid hit, but I seriously rolled three ones on my sneak attack dice. That was very sad. Yeah, it happens. From Istakim Habet, Voices of the Sun. Now, the first one full, turns its full attention on Sudi. Sweet. Sweet. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Natural one, automatically miss. Yay! 34. Yeah, that'll hit. Full set up with the perfect 20, which will automatically hit threat. My lord. Good gracious. 16 will not confirm. Nope. But that's two hits. So two hits. Which is basically a critical, except for my DR. Uh, first one is for 10. The second one is for 15. Okay. As it begin to hammer into you. Alrighty. The other voice of the sun will... Yeah, we'll fly into the flank against Hollis. I'll take the attack for opportunity. Thanks, friend. All right. Combat reflexes are paying off. Uh, that is a 19 for a 40. A 40 will strike your target. 15 points of regular damage, 5 points of fire. All right. And then swings out with the Kopesh. 34. Oh, I mean, yeah. But let me see if she actually gets through my mirror images. She doesn't. That was another two. So another image pops. All right, Masika of the Beckon. Uh, Masika will move a little bit forward, about 15 feet forward. Uh, hi, water friends. How are you today? (laughs) (laughs) They're all all just like, finally some action. (laughs) And then I'm gonna fire another of my beams at uh, Iskahim Tibet. You are doing a ranged attack within the threatened range of one of the elementals. You can stop five feet further back. Oh, okay. I didn't realize their reach was that far. Their reach is ridiculous. It's 15 feet. They're they're large. They're huge size. Pretty much because the center of this room is 30 feet across, so they can actually hit the center of this room from either side. So if you're in the center of this room, you're within one of their threatened ranges. Yeah. I roll a 15, which gets me a 27, so 23 for firing into melee combat to hit her range touch AC. Is the camera bit? Yes. That will strike your target. Yay! 
Yay! She needs to make a reflex save. Reflex save. That might actually fail this time because it's a 23, and I think you said that 24 passed perfectly. Yep. Killer! Ah. Not rolling great for her. I'm perfectly fine with this. Uh, she can take 45 points of damage. Ouch. Nice. Still going. And As another beam points. of concentrated sunlight burns into her. And then uh, the, an armor's going to spend a charge of his wand and spit at the harpy that is behind Sudi and attacking Hollis. All right. Minus four for firing into melee. Uh, he gets a 20 after the minus four. A 20 will strike his target. Nice. He does nine points of acid damage. All right. Another splash of acid goes flying forward. Citra Nahamra. Killer. I'm going to two weapon fight. Yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah, All boy. Right. Snap, 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 snap. It's always nice when I actually get to do that. Uh, all right, I rolled a 10 for a 27 plus the flank, 29. 29 will not strike your target. Fine. Okay, second attack. No, that's a six, so it's not going to do it. And third attack. I'm just... All right, but this one should hit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you I rolled a hit 17 once. this time, so plus 15, plus two for the flank. That's a 34 to hit. 34 will strike your flanked target. Yay. Uh, oh, but, and I have a uh, extended critical range, so that's a threat as well. Yep. Hit threat oh, roll to confirm. Man. Uh, let's see. That is an 18 on the die, so there'd be a 35 to confirm. A 35 will confirm your critical hit. Woo. All right. Let's start nice. doing the math. Rachel's very excited about that 76 sneak attack. Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, 76? Awesome. What is it with all plus these Plus like a D4 ones? plus another D6. Yeah, it's a lot of D6s rolling over there. <laughs> yeah. So that would be 44 points of damage. Uh, and I forgot my debilitating injury last time, so let's make sure I remember that this time. Drop that AC. Okay. Good um, You mean to drop her AC? I was like, drop her AC, yeah. I, I shall drop her AC, so minus two for everyone else, minus six for me. All right. A solid hit as your blade wrenches into her. The first water elemental will slosh its way down the way and kind of step one foot out of the water in this sort of way uh, before punching Masika. Hmm. Rude. I thought we were friends. I speak your you know, language. Fellow I thought we were water friends. creature. No. Rude. <laughs> Nothing like Mr. Bubbles. Hawkatap's one real cool guy. <laughs> uh, he punches out at you. That's uh, actually, I don't think this will hit. That's 29. No. Oh, nice. The other one will go ahead and slam twice at Hollis. Yeah, yeah. Why Hollis? Why is Hollis? Because I'm right the there. Love? I've got a plan. I just have to live to get to my plan. Uh, it's 30 and a 25. Those will both hit. I'm down to rolling d6s. So let's see if you roll a one. That is a six. So that's an image. Um, what do I do with? I rolled a three. Ha ha, the dice are with us today. It pops another image. Goodness. It's all at the cost of Rachel's dice luck. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> Hollis Starkweather. All right. Um, Hollis wants to recall knowledge water elemental, specifically to know if she casts a spell that has a will safe and if it'll affect this water elemental. You're recalling knowledge. What are we, second edition? Oh, make it a check. I want to know things about it. You want to identify the <laughs> water elemental? Sure. I mean, yes. it's really the same thing. Let's be honest. It is. I just used a different word. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I know a lot about that. Knowledge supplies. I roll an 18 um, for a 42. This 
is a water elemental, specifically a huge water elemental. Mm -hmm. uh, water elementals are patient, relentless creatures made of living fresh or salt water, in this case fresh, preferring to hide or drag their opponents into the water to gain an advantage. Excellent. Um, can spells that require fortitude saves affect it? Depending on the spell. They're special defenses, elemental subtype. They are immune to any bleed, paralysis, poison, or sleep effects, and stunning, not subject to critical hits or flanking. Does not take additional damage from precision-based attacks, such as sneak attack. Okay. So on and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, as long as it's not a spell that attempts to stun them, put them to sleep, paralyze them, cause them bleed, etc. Cool. Hollis will cast Siphon Might on the defensive, so let me make a concentration <laughs> check. Please do this. This is going to be amazing. It's one of those things that I'm not sure if that works on Undead, but I was like, oh, these guys are alive. Thanks. Um, uh, it would not work on Undead. They're both immune to yeah. ability damage as well as immune to anything that requires fortitude save that does not also affect objects. Yeah. All right. So that's an 11 plus 17 is... 28. 28 to get a third level spell off, which I believe works. A 28 will succeed. Cool. Gets he gets a fortitude 21. save. Fortitude save, you say. Mm-hmm. He gets... 27. All right, he passes, so he will take half of this. Okay. Uh, so that's three plus one per two caster levels, max five, so five, so eight. Uh, so eight, so that's four. Takes a penalty to strength equal to four, because he saved for half, otherwise it would have been eight. Um, and then I tap Sudi on the back of the leg, and you get... An enhancement bonus to strength equal to the strength penalty. I don't know if a four is going to be enough to even overcome what you have. No, I have a plus six. Oh, well. Eh, well. If you're I mean, it's still a good off. idea to try to, like, weaken it. Well, I was okay. hoping it would be an eight or something, and then you would get, you know, a couple more points, and it would have been cool. Sudi Kantar. Okay. Well, let's see. I've got a, a nice Ista him Kabet with a lowered AC. I'm going to full out attack and smash her some more. All right. Flurry blows and try to trip her again. Maybe I can get that off. That'd be nice. Ooh. First attack's a natural one. That will automatically miss your target. Uh, the second one is I roll a nine. That is a 32 with the flank. A 32 will strike your target. Hey. So that is 17 points of regular damage, one point of fire damage. Your fist slams into her. She stumbles back, hitting the ground. As she does so, she looks up. I'm impressed. I will give you this tomb. Ooh. Fall. There is a lurching sensation as the entire pyramid drops. Fuck. And we'll pick it up uh, here next time. What? No! Ba -da -da -da. I didn't change it. This was a bad idea to defeat her. Is it going to drop it one round and we all die immediately? Uh, let's just say there's an explode of damage. Fun! <laughs> I have a dimension door. <laughs>